and also join us. And we want his presence here today. Amen. Amen. You know, I was, uh, I was remembering what, uh, what God has done for us. And, and this, this, I was studying the days and looking into the things that have, you know, how God came to be and or, or made all these things to be. And I was pleased to know that the Sunday is the day that we get to come and praise God. It is the Lord's day. And so, and don't misunderstand me, every day is good. But when we gather together to worship God, it becomes great because it's for him. It's dedicated. We give it to him. And so in doing so, God is, again, worshiped and he's praised for that. And we should make a note of that, as I said. He is worthy. Praise God. Because we are committed, you know, God responds to commitment. He responds to people who come to worship in spirit and in truth. And, uh, and that, that's a good thing to have. The, the problem is when we don't come in that form and that fashion and we would want to desire the things of God. And so if God can use, think about it this way, if God can use, and Bishop talked about this, about the lepers. If he can use three lepers to scare an army and he can make it sound like it's an entire army, imagine what he can do with people who are filled with his spirit here today. He can do great things. How many of us believe that? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Clap your hands to God today. Praise God. He is worthy. Amen. And if you would turn your Bibles as you remain standing, we're going to go to Acts chapter 19, verse 1 through 6. And the Bible says, And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And he said unto him, uh, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, And they said unto John's baptism. Then Paul, then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come on him which should come after him that is on Christ Jesus. And then verse 5, <clears throat> excuse me, through 6, and when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord, knowing that you are being filled with the Spirit of God, and you were speaking in tongues, and you prophesied. Praise the Lord. Amen. If you would bow your heads and you would pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the word today, Lord. We want you to anoint our hearts and our minds, oh God, that when we leave here today, Lord, that we want, Lord God, that your spirit to be poured upon all flesh. But more importantly, Lord, we have been filled with your spirit, Lord. We want to walk out of here and we want to prophesy, Lord, the things that you have done for us, but also the things that you can do for them, Lord God. We want to be about your business and we want to bring glory and honor to your name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Praise God, and you may be seated in the presence of God. Praise the Lord. A little bit of an icebreaker here. If, uh, if you had to make major income adjustments, what is the first budget item you would cut from the list? And uh, I think many of us would have different uh, choices, but most of us would, would probably say that we're, we'll cut the things that, you know, that, we, that we don't le need the most. In other words, the least most important thing, but we hope that before that, and, and these would be the things that you need, but before that, I would hope that you have already cut out those things that you wanted because there's a difference between need and want. 
though the needs of family are what is most important, as we would think and say, we know normally you can find a way to meet a few wants, but not all of them. Because not all wants are bad, amen, the time is just right considering this moment. And I brought it to, to mention this because pastor's not with us, but what he's doing is a good thing. Uh, he, him, he, he's gone off to Israel, and he's off with two saints, and they're exploring uh, Israel. And in doing so, we know that there's good things that come from that when you go to places because you're going to be impacted by where you go. I remember watching Stone King once where he was preaching, and he, he said something about going to Israel, and we paid more closer attention, at least me and my wife did. And he said that whenever you get the opportunity, if you have the opportunity to go to Israel, you should. You should, you should make that an effort because there's something that happens when you go to Israel. And he began to share his story, and he said that uh, when he went to Israel, he didn't have the money. So this would be one of those things that he chose to do that was a little bit out of his budget, but it was a good thing. doesn't mean that God wants us to go out and spend money just, uh, just to, you know, for the sake of it. There has to be a good cause, and we also walk in faith trusting that God is going to restore that which we have used. And as he said this, he's, he's speaking to the, gra- to the crowd, and, he's, he's, and again, I mentioned he's not talking about wasting money. He's talking about spiritual growth. When you go into another spiritual awakening, because you have stepped into a place where it has caused you emotion, has caused you grief, but also it leaves a good memory imprinted in your life, there's going to be things that are going to happen to you and they're going to change you for that reason. When you go to Israel, you're going to find yourself that not only are you walking in the place where Jesus walked, but you're also going to find yourself with, if you've studied the word, everything seems to come together. And the most powerful thing that happens when you do that is when you go to a place and you've studied and you know about it and you believe it, there is power in that. Brother Hadabal said to me once in a conversation that when you go to Israel, it is like having about six, six months to nine months of Bible college. That's only 11 days I believe he's gone for. And I think that's pretty good. Considering, I mean, the pay, you know, the pay you, you're going to pay to get there, I think, I think it's a, a, a pretty good investment in my opinion. The necessity of the spirit is a title, but we're talking here today, or I'm going to be kind of talking about here today. Some of the life experiences are, are life-changing to us. The events that, some events are good, and I've mentioned that some events are bad, and some of them we'd rather just not, we'd hope they'd never happen. But again, that's why they're called life-changing events. For the instance, a uh, relatable scenario would be when you or any of us for that matter or reason have had a job and we're certain that we're going to uh, be okay and uh, we have plenty of money and we have time on our hands to do whatever it is that we want at times and we, our bills are not as high as they usually are so for some reason. If it's winter, the, uh, the light bill's much lower because you don't have to turn the, uh, the AC on, but you might have to turn the heat on if it's too cold, right? So they kind of balance each other out, but if it's not too cold, it's, it could be just right for you. But then... Life take, can take a turn for the worst at times. All of a sudden, life is not what it seemed to be. You thought that all was good and everything was okay, but now it's not. You had plenty of money, as I mentioned earlier, plenty of time, and that's been running out. The problem is that we have, we have be a little, become a little bit complacent because we are 
having of what we've had for such a long time as we become comfortable. But now it's the complete opposite. Bills are higher. Fuel prices have increased. And this is happening here, even here today. Rent, food costs have gone up. Loss of job has increased for some. some. And, again, you're at a loss or we could be at a loss. The thought of seniority at times, we would, we would think that that would give us the upper hand of maintaining our job. But sadly, you or we find out that the seniority doesn't help us by much simply because it's, it no longer matters in this case. Companies could downsize and they could collapse and shut down permanently. Then you start to get nervous because the bank account starts to look a little bit low. And again, as I mentioned, expenses increase and money is not there. Some of us will have some form of security. We'll have a nest egg. And others will have possibly two jobs if they're doing okay. And, and it kind of s- tends to ease the struggle. And it makes it easier for the time of being, but not for long. So, so I need to do something. We need to do something when things like that. Now, I'm speaking to myself. I, I always preach to myself. Now, if we, I tend to live by faith and I trust in the Lord, but... God surely isn't going to take me to a place or force me into a place to get a job, nor is he going to go fill an application for me if I'm needing of a job. Instead, God expects me to encourage myself and to apply myself and to step into it. If I need help, I must apply myself. I must make decisions that are going to benefit me not only physically but also spiritually. And with that being said, it needs also to be in alignment with God so that we may have spiritual growth. In life, just as you make adjustments for finances and food and the things that you eat and the things that you don't want to eat, and of course also some things you cut out permanently, you must also make adjustments and make a way for the gifts of God. Consider it a season of refining regarding the fiscal matters. In economics, some of the needs that are called necessity uh, goods. Necessity goods are the last thing customers, again I mentioned, stop buying when their income declines. And conversely, these are the things to which they devote a lower percentage of their spending as their income rises. Kind of an oxymoron there. There are some spiritual necessities, uh, goods as well. Spiritual necessity goods are those rational commodities we simply must have if we are to be in right fellowship with God. The first contains significant items such as prayer, repentance, faith, obedience, the word of God, submission, water baptism, a pastor, a church family, and among other things. All these things are necessity for spiritual growth and also to be able to understand uh, the things that God wants to share with us. One gift uh, we cannot purchase, however, is the Holy Ghost. And the Bible talks about how we uh, can do nothing to obtain the, the, uh, the Spirit of God. It, it is by grace that we are saved. Without this living dynamic, though, however, God in our lives, we may have just religion if we just live by the rules as those of the Hebrews, or I should say the Pharisees did. But we do not, again, we don't live that way. We have a relationship that leads us to eternal life, and that is with Jesus Christ. Being filled with his spirit is an absolute must to live a victorious life here and be ready for the dawning of our new eternal life in heaven. You will have people, and this is just a warning, you will have people who will argue with you 
and make a strong and firm statement why you don't have to be baptized or speak in tongues. I personally have spoken to people and I've heard them tell testimonies of uh, children who have said, I want to be baptized, and their parent has said to them, you know, you can be baptized, but you know you really don't have to. But the Bible says we do have to be. In doing so, we know that they violate, and I hate to put it that way, they do violate God's word. They go against the teachings and the doctrines of the Lord Jesus Christ. To say that you're a believer means that you embrace everything that the scriptures teach, not only uh, the baptism in Jesus' name, but also the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And before that, prior to that, is repentance. Even so, we should not ignore these people that sincerely, because it may be that they are missing a last key. And I say the last key, which in hope they hear if they receive it, and they will open up their understanding and reveal that missing piece that they don't have. So it was with Peter even at one time, and I'll mention that in just a bit of a later time. But uh, I had the I had the uh, privilege of speaking to other people, you know, well, like like minded uh, people, and we're talking about baptism in Jesus' name. And the one word that kept coming up was the keys, the keys, the keys. He talks about the keys, and there's many now. There's many keys, and doesn't but there's only one way, and those keys open up certain venues. Baptism in Jesus' name. Uh, speaking in tongues opens another venue, so all repentance is another one. And God constantly shows us these keys in Scripture. But in Luke 24, 45 through 47, it reads, Then opened he, and this is for those that don't have not yet embraced it, he, then he, Jesus, is talking, uh, they're under, uh, he says, they're under, he opened their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. And said unto them, This is written... And thus it behooved Christ, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And then it says in 47, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in the name among all nations beginning in Jerusalem. Again, baptism. Then in Luke chapter 3, verse 3, and he came into all the country about Jordan preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And I brought these together because they all, they all uh, you know, speak of, it, of, of this, this thing happening. And then uh, Luke chapter 3, verse 16, John answered saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, that the latches whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost, and with fire. So here we have, again, the baptism, but we also have the other baptism, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Prior to that, we have the baptism, which is of, I'm sorry, the uh, repentance, which is uh, the baptism of, not the baptism of repentance, but we have repentance, and then we have baptism of the Holy Ghost. But then we go to Luke chapter 24, 4, verse 47, and then I come back to it because it says, it men- I said it mentions it mentions to us the repentance and remissions of sins should be preached in his name. And that's another key. Remission of sins. And when the name, what name would that be? We know that's the name of Jesus. He's talking about it. It's his own name and he's still declaring it. That was another, you know, key. He, Jesus tends to talk about the things that are going to, he's prophesying about the things that are going to happen. This is why he was known as also the prophet or a prophet, I should say. He should be the prophet, the prophet. Praise the Lord. And again, he has the name that was, the name Jesus was given. He gave it to himself. We know this. It was prior to his birth. 
And it is in faith in Jesus that brings the working of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. We must believe every word that Jesus said, which extends even into the works and the words of the apostles as well, because Jesus is bringing in the apostles into this mix. He's not just saying, hey, it's just me. No, he had a gathering who he brought together and he taught, and then he said, it's going to be an extension of what I have to say and what I want to give the world. There are two reasons why we need the Holy Ghost. And this is the teaching, the the necessity of the Spirit. There are two reasons why we need the Holy Ghost. Number one, it is necessary to get to heaven. And second, it is an empowerment to deal with a world of of sin here as we are. There are several events uh, that work together in showing us and should persuade us to receive the Holy Ghost. So I picked four, and it kind of jogged my mind, you know, not only once but many times. And we know this, that we can't earn it, as I mentioned it earlier. So, so we look to Scripture to see how is it that we can get to the place where we can receive this precious gift. The first one uh, I have already, I've already gone over with John the Baptist. Was, he was, uh, you know, crying out, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. He is speaking to us of the one whose shoes, whose latches he can't untie. He was unworthy, he thought, to even loosen them. And then I spoke in uh, about Luke 3.3, and he is at the Jordan River, and he's preaching baptism of repentance for remission of sins for the one that is mightier, and I mentioned it all, than him, and he would baptize with the Holy Ghost. John the Baptist was the one preparing the way of the Lord. The way of the Lord was something that God had given him to uh, set apart for, and I say for him, but then also Jesus would come behind him and finish the, the work through. It, and simply uh, put, Jesus was the reason he did that because we understand that he was the lamb, the, the, the sinless lamb of the world. He was slain. The second event uh, I brought in is when Jesus is with Nicodemus and I spoke. Uh, no, I did not speak of this one. In chapter 3, Jesus uh, chose very early in, in his public ministry to have an off-of-the-record conversation with Nicodemus uh, but of his new birth. As a member of the Sanhedrin, we know that he was a, a high-ranking um, high uh, Jewish, uh, and I, must, I would say rabbi, I, I believe, is... In his Jewish culture, he was a significant influence by means. He had to take it. He had taken note of Jesus' teaching of the miracles and desired to speak with him to learn more. However, Nicodemus felt that he needed to protect his uh, his how should I say his uh, his reputation. So he came at night. I don't want nobody to see me. And uh, he was just trying to avoid you know jeopardizing his uh, his persona, I guess per se. But I wonder what would have happened if he had had the revelation that Jesus Christ was the Messiah almost instantaneously. instantaneously. Would he have just left? I hope that he would, but it's hard to say because the Bible doesn't tell us that. So, again, he comes to him at night, and he is, he is, he is limited in what he is doing because he only wants, he only wants to ask questions uh, to the point. But interestingly enough, he asks Jesus enough questions to open up a door, and Jesus gives him a key. And the key that he asks, or he, he, uh, he is teaching him, is, is part of his doctrine. John 3.3, 3, Jesus replied, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. While the phrase born again is common to us, consider how 
confusing this term must have been for Nicodemus because it's not something that would have been said. As a matter of fact, I doubt it was something that ever happened. And he responds to it in John, in John 3, 4 to Jesus. He was talking about a spiritual birth, and he says born again. And he's thinking, what is, that is not physically in his own mind possible. And he continues, how can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born. Obviously, Nicodemus is lost again. I said he's lost for words. His thoughts are going all over the place. But we can see if we continue to read, the Lord reinforces what he says as well. As when John the Baptist was declaring uh, this statement in John 3, 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. It was like Basically, it was the same message. There was no different one from the other. God, he went preparing the way. Uh, John the Baptist spoke about baptism, and he spoke about remission of sin, and so did Jesus. God put a thought in my mind as I was reading all this, and um, it was, you know, he put this, and and when when you give thanks to God, who who are you giving thanks to? In most cases, we would, uh, if you don't live, if you're not living for God, you're just going to, yeah, I did a great job. But if you're, if you're living for God, you're going to give God praise and you're going to give God thanks. And the reason I bring this one up uh, is because when Cornelius was eating, and I, I must have missed a note here, but that's okay. Oh, here he goes. Sorry. All right, here we go. I jumped a little bit faster than I, thirdly. I was going to speak about Peter and Cornelius in the book of Acts chapter 10. God is a, the Bible says that God is no respecter of persons. And he revealed this to Peter when he sent him to the house of Cornelius. If we know the house of Cornelius, uh, Cornelius was filled with the Holy Ghost before he was baptized in Jesus' name. But that doesn't, ref, that doesn't mean that he was not baptized. The Bible goes on to say that Peter commanded him to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Peter thought salvation, though, however, thought it was only for the Jews. He was uh, you know, he didn't really understand. And this is where I said that Peter would have a form of, um, a, a, I'm going to say, revelation would say that the voice uh, and the visions were telling him to rise and kill. Scripture makes it uh, makes mention of specific animals. And the Jews in their culture, they didn't eat any of this. And so Peter responds in Acts chapter 10, verse 14, 14 through 15. But Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean, and the voice spake unto him, say uh, again, the second time, and God hath, what God hath cleansed, that call not thou clean, not not thou common, I'm sorry. So God has cleansed something, God is calling something uh, that he cleaned, he cleansed it, uh, or that he has cleaned it, basically. But Peter, uh, the, the interesting part is Peter is heading in the direction to the house of Cornelius sometime later. Perhaps uh, I wonder if it was that Cornelius was was faithful without knowing how he really was praying or what he was doing for the Lord, and God cleansed him. And, and it really made me think. God put a thought, again, I, this is where I made, uh, God put a thought in my mind. And when you give thanks to, to God, who is it we give thanks to? We give thanks to the Lord for what we have. Well, Cornelius was eating what he always ate. I believe that he began, became aware of whenever time he was, and it must have been before the angel uh, showed up because we know that faith has to grow, and there has to be a fear of God that grows into him. But I believe Cornelius began to give praise to God and honor God in certain ways that he knew best to do it. 
And in doing so, God honored what he was doing for him. It says that uh, Cornelius was a God-fearing man. He also prayed and he also fasted. So he has some of the traits that we all already follow. Even though the Jews did not eat again, uh, did not eat certain foods or meats, we surely, we surely did and he surely did. And I believe, uh, as I mentioned earlier, that God blessed what he gave thanks for. Uh, he might have even possibly refrained from sacrificing these foods uh, to other gods because he had found a new faith. God sees things differently than we do. While some may, may see what you do as something small or insignificant, God may see it as a great and honorable thing. Giving God recognition in what you do God gives God glory and honor. So here, here we have, again, God, again, doing the very same thing that he did for the woman who was eating, who said, who said to the Lord, who was asking for the Lord for something. And it says that as he did in the Bible, the event, the woman is the one that said, Lord, even the dogs, he said that, the, the, that this was for the children and it wasn't for the dogs. He, and she says, the dog, you know, Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs off the table. They, they, they come fall off the master's table. Jesus sees faith here, and he responds to it. And the same way he does it, I believe, with Cornelius. Because in Acts chapter 10, verse 33 to 34, Cornelius uh, says to Peter, Immediately therefore they have come together, I sent to thee, I sent to thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now therefore are we all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God, He's declaring this. It's good that you're here. I'm glad that you're here. But now that you're here, would you tell me what I need to do and what I need to know? And then in Peter, uh, verse 34, it says, Peter opened his mouth and he said, said of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Praise the Lord. I'm, we got to be glad for that. Praise God. <laughs> because if not, I wouldn't be here. Praise the Lord. Cornelius tells Peter, it is good that you're here. He is glad to have him there. He wants to know everything he has to say because he wants to receive what God has for him. And I mentioned earlier at a later time, Peter is preaching his heart out in Acts uh, chapter 10, verse 43 through 44. He's talking to the house of Cornelius. And, and then it says, I'm going to skip real uh, down to uh, verse 43. To him give all the prophets witness the prophets are declaring Jesus that through his name, whosoever believes in him shall re receive remission of sins. He says, if you believe in Jesus, you're going to get this remission of sins. You're going to get cleansed. And then it says, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all, all them which heard the word. And this is why it caught me by surprise. It says that God said, don't call it common. That what I've cleansed, I wonder if, if Cornelius had, had already given everything and God said, I'm going to clean this one. I just need you to go and do and finish the work that I had uh, originally started. Because I don't want there to be someone to bypass it and say, look, Cornelius got the Holy Ghost, but he wasn't baptized with Jesus. Name. It needed to happen. He wanted them to go. He wanted Peter to go over there and preach the gospel to Cornelius. And Cornelius embraced it. Peter preached the message of Jesus as bold and sure as he did on the day of Pentecost. The words that came uh, uh, you know, out of his mouth said on the ears of the house of Cornelius, and they could not control what happened when they heard 
that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. But I'll tell you, it doesn't stop there. We know there's more. And something switched in them. They had heard enough. Their hearts were on fire. They believed that they that, that word that were that they he was that Peter was sharing with them, it was unquestionable. They believed everything that Peter said, that Jesus was the Messiah, that he had been then they and God filled them with the Holy Ghost because the Bible says that they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. And in doing so, there was a change, obviously, in their lives because now not only were they filled with the Holy Ghost, not only were they faithful to the Lord, but now they were going to be baptized in Jesus' name. Jesus made a point to get these believers into heaven. And what did he do? He, he sent Peter. And the, here's, here's a catch. Peter questioned what God had given him, this vision. He had questioned it for just a bit because in... Uh, in Acts chapter 10, verse 17, the Bible says that Peter doubted himself uh, what this vision which he had seen should, should mean. He was a little bit confused. Sometimes we just need to flow in the spirit, trust that God and that, trust in God that something and whatever it is, it doesn't matter as it happens, especially when God is leading you, uh, that you look for those signs and you see the connection and you trust and say, someone, you know, God, I'm just going to follow you. I'm just going to hear your voice. And whatever it is that you ask me to do, I'm going to do. And if somebody tells you to do something because it's in the Bible, know that it's a, a blessing from God for you. And if it's not a blessing, sometimes it's a warning. Be aware. God's spirit gives us power over the enemy. This is why we need his spirit. So that we are able to overcome. And not just overcome on our own. We do have to have faith to overcome. In order for us to overcome, we maintain faith, and that faith that we maintain keeps God obey, keeps him with us. So God filled Cornelius, as I mentioned earlier, with the with the Holy Ghost. They heard the word. The first, the fourth one was Paul, with the believers who were baptized into repentance. And of course, the Bible says that uh, he he asked them the question, uh, you know, how long has it been since you believe or have you, been, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And this doesn't discredit the scriptures. It's, it's a building of the understanding of what the process really is. And this is why it's important to, to read it as much as we can. And we read the, the scriptures and expound on them. We're gonna better, we get a better understanding. There are religion, religions today that baptize in Jesus' name. They baptize in Jesus' name and don't believe in the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And they are faced right, uh, also religious right today that they believe in the infilling of the Holy Ghost, but don't believe in baptism in the Jesus in Jesus' name. Again, they they violate the order of God. And so, in doing so, technically, according to the Word, not by my judgment, but by God's judgment, it's out of order. So, we want to make sure that what we do is not according to what we think, or but according to what we read out of the Scriptures. There are so I can, so again I mentioned that they don't believe. Uh, in speaking in tongues, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 18, I put this scripture down. I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than ye all. And this is Paul saying this. Paul is not speaking on a, on a competition uh, platform. Uh, he's, he's not even, you know, he, he's just saying, hey, you know what? I have a gift and I'm able to do something. I'm able to speak to God. I'm able to operate in this. But more importantly, I have an authority that's given to me from on high. And if you go into scripture, you're going to find out 
he is trying to tell them what the gifts are for. The first thing the Holy Ghost does for you, and I say for you, it makes you aware that you have received the promise. It's an important thing to uh, to remember, and I think all of us will remember that. Uh, in Acts 19, 2, Paul asks, as I mentioned earlier, he asked the believers he met, have you received the Holy Ghost sin since ye believed? And they said unto him, we have not such as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. So they didn't even know. Uh, they were baptized into repentance by John and not in the name of Jesus. Paul strained these things out and says to John, or says, uh, John said, uh, says that he, he baptized uh, to repentance and that they should be baptized in Jesus, but they were already believers, so this was a, this was a hand up for, for him. It was kind of a shortcut because somebody had already done half of the work, but the Bible, well, the Bible says that one waters while the other, or one plants and the other one waters, and in this case, here's what happened. Paul then lays hands on them. They receive the Holy Ghost. The Bible says uh, that they, they prophesy and they speak in tongues. Again, it's a heavenly language as the Bible, as we, we call it, but it's still, it's a language that only God can understand. I wanted to, uh, there was uh, something that came up as I was reading this. Uh, it was something that, was, that I read years ago. I heard a preaching by Billy Cole many years ago, and he was speaking preaching about, he was speaking about faith, and he was talking about the Holy Ghost, and the words he, he kept, you know, talking about is about, and I don't want to say positive think, uh, speaking, but it was faith. You speak to someone in faith, uh, and the words, he, he, he said this, uh, he said, when you speak, to some, you speak to someone in faith, your words can be some, can do one or the other. They can either tear someone down, or they can lift them up. He said, lift them up, don't tear them down. If someone got the Holy Ghost, you never asked them, did you get the Holy Ghost? He said, instead, I heard you speak in tongues. Praise the Lord. Or he said, or if they didn't say anything, he would go over to them and he would talk to them. Would you like for me to pray for you? Or, you know, in such manner. The laying of hands was also something that he spoke about. It erupts the faith of an individual who is coming to the Lord. And when I say erupts, it makes it come up. And that in itself causes a move of the heart of the individual to say, you know what, if he's praying for me or they're praying for me, then there's a God. There must be a God. And I'm talking about those that come in here and they doubt and they don't believe. And, and God will give them that faith. If he gave it to me, I know he can give it to someone else. He gave it to all of us. And here we stand. Praise God. Let us not, let us not believe, I'm sorry, no. Let us not think that we are worthy of the Holy Spirit. Just as Jesus spoke about, um, you know, eating of the, um, breaking of the body and, and, and drinking of, the, of, the, of his blood, it, we're supposed to take it unworthily. In the same way, we seek God in that same way, and God will give us the Holy Ghost when we come to him that way. We should be warned that we don't really deserve the Holy Ghost, which is why it is called a gift. To think that, that we can do anything that is deserving of receiving the Holy Ghost is absurd. God will give when he sees fit, and what a blessing it is. We attended uh, Touch the Future uh, a few years, uh, about a year ago, and um, 
and you, you know, I'm just going to, it's kind of an analogy to kind of put that there. And my family and I went together, and uh, we were there, and the, 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 we were at the last day, and it was full. There was nowhere to sit down. And I remember thinking, like, wow, we're just going to stand this entire service. But way at the front, there were seats that were empty, and they were, they were saved for someone, but they weren't for us. And I remember uh, Sister Varnum, uh, Sister Taylor knows who that is. <laughs> she walks in with her posse, and I mean, she, it's like she owns the place. And she walks in there, and, and if, if anybody wants to know it, they ask her, hey, come, what can we do? And, and she, she, walks from, she walks into the back door. She walks all the way, all the way to the front. And for a second, before she says, she turns to the left, and she looks at my wife, and she does this finger to her. She, she singles in, and she says, come here. She goes over there, and my wife goes over there. I say, you go. I'm going to stay right here. She's probably just going to say something to you. But she says, she goes, she goes like that right there. And, I, and at that moment, I knew what a blessing we get to sit. Not only do we have chairs, but we'd be right in the front <laughs> where the power of God is going to fall the strongest. I say that, but I know it, he, he's all over the place. That's where, I, that's where I wanted to be, but I couldn't be there because I, was, I saw myself not deserving. I didn't deserve it. But when God sees a heart that says, I don't deserve it, he says, now I'm going to give it to you. And he gives it to you. There's no changing for that. There's no changing for that. He is good. You don't go back from that. You don't go back for that. Jesus wants the same for all of us to move up into that heavenly realm. But we can't do it without the Holy Ghost. We need the Holy Ghost. In closing, an old man was a worshiper. He had walked with God for decades, and his love for the Lord had only gotten richer and deeper while his physical strength might have been wanting a bit. That did, that did not keep him from stepping out of the pew and ex exercising his remaining strength in joy and Holy Ghost as he was, and he won't say. A visitor of the church one night was somewhat taken back by this elder of his shouts and his praise, his shuffling dance, and especially his expressions in other tongues, having come from a religious background that denied the validity of the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the visitor was somewhat disapproving of the man's conduct. Don't ever worry what someone says about you when you worship God, when you praise Him. Just take it, put it in the back of your mind. I am right here and I am by myself with Jesus for the moment. And when you open your eyes, now you're with your people. Your people, and I say your people because these are the people that we will see in heaven. After service, the visitor boldly made her way up to the, to the simple countryman, gentleman, and with an expression on her face that could sour milk, she derives, stated, you know, you don't have to do that. His reply was golden. Ma'am, you don't have to take a bath either, but it sure feels good and it makes you more pleasant to be around. In reality, we don't have to have, I'm sorry, in, in reality, we do have to have the Holy Ghost. It is, it is a necessity, but gratefully, it is not an unpleasant one. His spirit is not something that uh, we endure. He is someone we enjoy. Romans chapter 14, verse 17 says, promises us, a, a, promises us righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. In a world of corruption, chaos, and calamity, 
Who would not want to experience protective righteousness, pervasive peace, and persistent joy? These promises and so much more are available to every believer who will believe simply and then obey the gospel. There's a sign by an electrician panel in a workplace was meant to keep people from touching it. It read, warning, this will hurt while it kills you. Perhaps we should post a sign at the altar that reads, attention, this will please while it saves you. Praise the Lord. Every testimony of every spirit-filled believer who lives full of the spirit would agree that the gift of the Holy Ghost is a gift. And we are pleased and we are glad to say that we live a happier life, a richer experience than we did before because we have been prepared for what we're going to see in the future, and that is heaven with the Lord Jesus. If you would stand to your feet, if you believe that Jesus died for you, if you believe that you have to be baptized in Jesus' name, if you believe that you're filled with the Holy Ghost, all these things can come to be. God promises them if you believe and you do these things, He will give you His Spirit. Yes, Lord. If you sing with us in worship, we need more of His Spirit. You'll lift your hands unto the Lord. We worship you, Lord. worship 